0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from Exodus chapter 11 through chapter 12, verse 20. I think it's page 62 in the Pew Bible. Exodus 11 through 12, verse 20. The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask every man of his neighbor, and every woman of her neighbor, for silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. So Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there's never been or ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all your people who follow you, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. according to what each can eat you shall make your count for the lamb your lamb shall be without blemish a male a year old you may uh, take it from the sheep or from the goats and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight then they shall take some some of the blood and pour it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs that they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water but roasted its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall not let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt for that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you, on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, On the first day, you shall remove leaven out of your houses, for if anyone eats what is leaven, from that day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day, you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day, a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared for you and you shall observe the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, for on this very day I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month from the 14th day of the month at evening you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at the evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses, If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places, you shall eat unleavened bread.
1: Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge your goodness. We do ask that you would show us Christ through the preaching of your word What a humbling thing it is to stand before so many who come today to hear from you. help our people hear from you today. Father, if there's any who like Pharaoh have hardened their hearts, Father, may they see their sin So bitterly, so Christ to them can be so sweet. Change hearts and empower your church this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you that are visiting with us, my my bride, my wife, she plays the keyboard. And before I met her, she was a world traveler. She's been um, all over Europe, all over Asia. She's been many places. I'll say, well, I'd like to go there someday. She's like, oh, yeah, I've been there. i like to go here. Oh, yeah, I've been there. When I was in high school, I went here. When I was in college, I went there. And as she traveled... One of her trips took took her to Nepal. I think they, she and a, her partner, when she was a journeyman, was another single young lady. They went on a trek, um, horseback riding, and having some adventure. And she was in Kathmandu, and she said she couldn't see Mount Everest from Kathmandu. It didn't know if it, if it the weather or why. She just remembered, I, you know, I don't know why in Kathmandu I, I couldn't see Mount Everest. But she said, I, I saw Mount Everest when I was flying out on the plane. I said, well, how did you know it was Mount Everest? She said, because it, this mountain was higher than the clouds. We're flying at a, a great altitude above the clouds and there is this mountain peak, a mammoth cloud. I mean, mammoth mountain sticking up higher than the clouds and i was thinking about that experience of hers and as i look at this text in exodus chapter 11 turn back there jeff read that for us this morning that's going to be our teaching text but this you know as we look at scripture all scripture is god breathed it's all inspired it's all important every bit of it is important But there are some texts that are like Mount Everest. They're just mammoth. And their uh, effects are great. And we'll see ripple effects from this text that we're reading this morning until Christ returns. A great text. It's very important. We won't finish talking about this tenth plague and the Passover today. We'll continue that next week. but. What has happened here, if you're visiting with us, we're in Exodus chapter 11, and God had told Moses to go to Egypt and demand that Pharaoh let God's people go. They had been in bondage there for 400 years. Their life is very bitter, very difficult. And God also told Moses, as he sent him to Egypt, that Pharaoh would not listen to him. And over and over, Moses comes to Pharaoh with God's message to let God's people go, only to see Pharaoh refuse him time and time again. He's rebelling against the Lord. right? And as a result, after this ninth plague, the nation is suffering. The Nile River that they depend on for everything has turned to blood. So they had to dig wells for water. Frogs, gnats, flies filled the country. The livestock that was out in the fields had died. Boils broke out on every single person. Hail took the life of everything in the fields, and what was left over... Whatever was still living, as after the hail, the locust devoured. Top that misery off. You have three days of total darkness. Look at chapter ten, verse twenty-seven through twenty-nine. This is right on the heels of the plague of darkness. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take care never to see my face again. For on the day you see my face, you shall die. Moses says, As you say, I will not see your face again. And then we continue reading in chapter 11. And I want to mention when you first read chapter 11, it seems that Moses had left... Pharaoh's presence only return again in verse 4, but that would be kind of confusing Because Pharaoh has said if I see you again Moses, I'm going to kill you and that wasn't an idle threat And so what is happening here In chapter 11 verses 1 through 3 is a continuation of that incident Moses hasn't left. He's still in Pharaoh's presence, but the Lord has spoken to Moses right there in front of Pharaoh And in fact, I've got a breakdown of these two chapters in regard to who is speaking to whom. And I think this might be helpful in the first few verses of chapter 11. Moses is instructed by the Lord in Pharaoh's presence. And then what's going to happen is Moses is going to relay God's message to Pharaoh, as a prophet often does. And then Moses is going to leave. And then God's going to instruct Moses and Aaron again on what he's going to share with the Israelites, and then he's going to relay God's message to Israel. And the last verse of, we're going to study today, verse 28 of chapter 12, is that Israel obeys all that God said through his prophet Moses. So this may help you with these chapters. Three things I want to point out to you from our text today. First is that God's will is being done. Notice the transformation of Moses and Pharaoh in the eyes of the Egyptians. And also the attitude the Egyptians have towards God's people. We see this in the first three verses. I could just say God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, but that would be too too simple, right? But that's what we see happening in the three verses of chapter 11. And if you remember, this has been about... A battle between Pharaoh and Almighty God, and Pharaoh is losing terribly. I don't know if you, any of you, watch um, UFC uh, fighting. Uh, Miss Sally, um, I had a brother in Christ who was training. His his desire was to be a UFC fighter and, and as I was just spending time with him discipling him I just over time I said brother I just don't think that that's God's will for your life he just couldn't understand why So we well you're just trying to you're trying to hurt somebody and I don't know if you can do that in the name of the Lord you know as you're pounding on somebody's face but if you ever see those fights sometimes I'll see highlights of them as somebody is just getting just pummeled with fists and elbows and knees and feet and they're up against the cage on the ground, and you just see somebody pounding. I'm like, somebody throw, I'm like I'm waiting on the rocky moment where somebody throws in the white towel, but nobody does. And they're just getting hit. And they're just getting, and it just makes me just cringe inside. I'm like, just stop, okay? And that's what's happening. In Exodus chapter 11, there's this bout going on between Pharaoh and God, and, and Pharaoh's losing. And you're just like, Give it up already. Let God's people go. Not only are you suffering, but your people are suffering terribly, but He just won't. He's hardening his heart. God's hardened his heart. And so what does God do? He just keeps pouring it on. The nation of Egypt. You think about pharaoh and how he used to be seen prior to the plagues he was seen as a god he was deity in bodily form in egypt but what's happening now is he's losing his credibility as as a god his entourage of magicians and sorcerers they mimic moses first two plagues if you remember but they've long been out of the game their ineptness was on display early on. They recognized God's too powerful for them. And even after the, the seventh plague, the plague of hell, Pharaoh's servants plead with him to let God's people go. Chapter 10, verse 7, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do, not, do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? And so Pharaoh, because his heart's hard, he's not being reasonable. The reasonable thing to do, the logical thing to do, is just let these people go so we can get our lives back. Let them go before we, we, we all perish. But of course, Pharaoh's heart's hard. He's being unreasonable, but the people know it. This once strong ruler who could do no wrong is now just a man. But not just any man. He's a flawed man. And juxtaposed to Pharaoh is Moses. I mean, let's think about Moses. Moses was brought up in Pharaoh's household. Not this Pharaoh, but the preceding one. The one he had grew up under had passed away. But he grew up in Pharaoh's household. And one day he saw a fellow Hebrew being mistreated by an Egyptian taskmaster. And so with his bare hands, he killed the taskmaster and buried him in the sand. And when it was found out, he fled. Do you remember? He fled in fear for his life. He saw a a Hebrew fighting with another Hebrew, and he went to went to intervene. And they're like, "What are you going to do? You going to kill us? One of us two So he flees to Midian. He marries jethro's daughter and he's been herding sheep for 40 years in the desert and you remember god speaks to him through a burning bush and says i want you to go to pharaoh go back to egypt and let tell pharaoh to let my people go and what was his response it wasn't like yeah let's 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 do it it was i can't are you crazy are you kidding me i'm a wanted man Number one, number two, they won't listen to me. I've tried. They didn't want my help. They rejected me. And he says, on top of that, I can't even speak well. What am I? To, I'm going to go into the the court of the most powerful man in the world. I can't even speak clearly. But he reluctantly goes, doesn't he, with Aaron in tow to be his spokesperson. But he is timid and he's afraid. But now, fast forward, months, people ask me, how long did that take place? I'm not sure, months, right? took a while for all these things to happen and for the effect, you know, to set in. But this is months later. Pharaoh's reputation is suffering, but what about old Moses? You hadn't seen Aaron speak for him lately, have you? Now it seems like Moses is face-to-face with old Pharaoh, speaking quite clearly. And although Pharaoh, his reputation has took a hit, Moses' is, his status is growing. Look at verse 3. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt. In the sight of Pharaoh's servants, in the sight of the people. We see this spiritual principle, don't, you? don't we? Pharaoh's proud, and what is God doing? He's humbling him. Moses, who is lowly and humble, I can't help, I can't do anything, I can't. What's happening with Moses? He's being exalted. Spiritual principle. And in fact, verse 8, when he leaves, finally does leave Pharaoh's presence, it says he goes out in hot anger he's fired up and why is he fired up why is he upset because he sees how unreasonable pharaoh has been his people are suffering and think about moses even though he's gone 40 years he knows a lot of these egyptians who are suffering come on pharaoh let god's people go yield bow the knee come on this is getting ridiculous all the suffering It took 40 years of tending sheep in the desert to humble and prepare Moses to be used by the Lord to deliver the Hebrews. But now God is using him and exalting Moses. We see this taught throughout the scriptures, Proverbs 29 and 23. One's pride will bring him low. That's Pharaoh, right? But he who is lowly, that's Moses, in spirit will obtain honor. In Jesus' own words in Matthew 23, verse 12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So you see these transformation occurring in the attitude towards Pharaoh and the attitudes of the people towards Moses. But then you also see the attitudes of the Egyptians towards the Hebrews. Pharaoh has resisted letting them go, but after this last plague... God tells Moses that Pharaoh would drive them away. Verse 2 But they won't leave them empty handed. Ask every man his neighbor, the Lord tells them, and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And this is just a reminder of what God had already said back in chapter 3. God are told them in chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and when you go, you shall go, not go empty-handed. Go meaning you leave Egypt. You will not leave empty-handed. But each woman shall ask of his neighbor and the woman who lives in her house for silver and gold, jewelry and for clothing, you shall put them on your sons and your daughters so you shall plunder the Egyptians. When do you plunder somebody? Back in the biblical day, the Old Testament days, when was someone plundered? It was when they'd been defeated, right? After they'd been conquered. So that's what's happening. God is conquering the nation of Egypt. Egypt had used the Hebrews to build the the, the buildings and the infrastructure of their great nation, but the Hebrews, as they're on the way out, they're going to plunder this great nation and you're going to see in months from now that they're going to use all of that loot if you will to build the temple of the lord so we've seen a complete 180 in regards to how pharaoh and moses are perceived and how god is viewed and that's the purpose of this whole story this whole this whole event is taking place why so God can be exalted, so God's fame can be spread. All of this is taking place, so the Egyptians, the Israelites, Pharaoh, and Moses will know that God is the one true God. second thing we learn from our text... Notice judgment and salvation in this 10th plague. Chapter 11, verse 4 through 8. Moses tells Pharaoh what's about to happen. He delivers God's message to Pharaoh. The firstborn will die, and each family will experience the judgment of God. But again, as he's done since the fourth plague, he makes a distinction between the Egyptians and the Hebrews. For the Egyptians, there's no salvation. Judgment's coming. But salvation will be offered to Israel for those who trust the Lord. Look at verse 7. Not even a dog will oppose Israel as God himself is opposing Egypt. So we see God being judge but also being Savior. The plagues, they, they've grown in intensity But this, this last plague, this 10th plague, will be most, the most severe one yet. And it involves a taking of human life. And there's a lot of question and debate about that. Can, how can God do such a thing? How can that be good? Well, it's because God does it. It's good, and it's for his glory, and it's for the good of his people. I mean, think about the devastating effects on the economy, plague one through nine. Devastated the economy, interrupted their lives. But the effects of this 10 plague are unimaginable. I mean, their culture is one in which the, the firstborn son is very, very important. The status and the wealth was passed down from father to the firstborn son. In fact, Pharaoh's firstborn son, he is next in line to be king of Egypt, but we know as a result of this plague that won't happen. Think about firstborn son. Matter of fact, I want to ask you to do something. If you're a firstborn son, stand up. If you don't mind your firstborn son yeah firstborn son yeah the firstborn son of each family as a result of this plague would be taken out all right you sit down it's a lot of folks it's a lot of families in fact every family is impacted in verse 8 of chapter 11 the results of this plague is that the servants of pharaoh will, will come to moses begging him to leave and to take the hebrews with him and that's what exactly what the lord said would happen so we see this judgment and salvation judgment for the egyptian salvation for the israelites who trust the lord and the, and the third thirdly we see the, the appropriation of god's salvation is by faith and also by obedience, because faith and obedience go hand in hand, don't they? So God instructs here in, in chapter twelve. He instructs Moses and Aaron concerning the Passover. Pharaohs—I mean, uh, Moses has left Pharaoh's presence in hot anger, and now the Lord is instructing Moses. Okay, this is what you're going to. This is what you're going to share. This is what you're going to tell the Israelites. And notice the details, verse two. The calendar, the Jewish calendar, is going to change from from this point on. It was about April of our in our modern day Gregorian calendar. It's about April. That month will be the beginning of the year from this point on. So God said, "Hey, there's going to be a calendar change. How we keep up with days." this is going to be the first month from now on. So this signifies, this is a pretty big deal, this Passover. A lamb, or he's going to tell us in a few verses later, a kid, which means a baby goat, a lamb or a kid was to be chosen on the 10th day of the month. Now the lamb or the kid had to be unblemished You're going to keep it four days until the 14th. On the 14th day, at twilight, sunset, you're going to, every family, and and the thing is, if you have a small family unit, you can combine. Two neighbors can, they can eat one lamb or one kid. You're going to slaughter that lamb, and you're going to take the blood and use some hyssop, and you're going to paint your door frame. Not just a little spot. You're going to up one side, a top, and down the other. Okay. You're going to put blood on the doorpost, verse 7 and verse 8. Then that night, that lamb is going to be eaten. It's going to be roasted. You couldn't boil it. You couldn't eat it raw because pagan. a lot of the pagan rituals, they eat raw flesh. You're not going to eat it raw. You're not going to boil it. You're going to roast it. And it's going to be whole, whole thing. You're going to roast it. You're not going to break any of the bones, you're just going to roast it, and you're going to eat that that evening. And whatever's left over, you're going to burn. Couldn't eat all of it, anything left over, you're going to burn it. And it's interesting, you're going to eat it with bitter herbs. Why bitter herbs? Well, they've had 400 years of bitterness. And what God's going to do is he's setting this up, this is going to be something you're going to do every year from this point on jesus on the night he was betrayed was eating the passover meal and what's interesting about this sacrifice is that there's no substitute for the lamb you know in other sacrifices so many sacrifices there's a substitution that could take place if you didn't have money you couldn't buy a lamb i can get a pigeon a turtle dove nope gotta have a lamb or a kid And how do you eat it? Well, you eat it with your traveling clothes on. Father had the staff in his hand. And you're eating it in, on the go. And, and you have to eat unleavened bread because leaven, it takes a lot of time, right, for that to rise. None of that. Would you rather have a cracker, a dry cracker, a loaf of bread? Well, 99% of us, we want a loaf of bread. Nope, none of that. Unleavened bread. You're going to eat it in haste, in a hurry. I don't know if you've ever been... Um, it, this happened that some of you travel a lot and you're in an airport and your flight's been delayed and you, you get on that flight and you've got a connecting flight and you only have like so much time and then you're at Atlanta Lord forbid you'd be in Atlanta airport and it takes an hour to get from one side to the other and you've got to grab something to eat what do you do you order something you know you get it and you've got all your your bag in tow and you're just hossing it down right drink drink and we're, we're going well that's what was happening here you're going to eat it in haste because you're fixing to, you're fixing to get out of Dodge You're getting out of here. Been 400 years, but your time's coming to an end here. Eat it in haste. Got our traveling clothes on. We're ready to go. Don't go out until the morning. You don't want to poke your head out the door. Bad things could happen. Why? Because God's coming through Egypt. And and what's interesting is we've seen from the fourth plague until the ninth plague, there's been... A distinction made between the Israelites and the Egyptians. Boils. Every person had boils. But guess what? The Israelites who lived in Goshen, no boils. Hell falling down, killing man and beast. Not in Goshen. Locust. They're eating everything everything but what's in Goshen the livestock are dying everywhere except in Goshen up to this point God has protected the Israelites made a distinction they're my people man it just points to his sovereignty only God could do that but yet this plague guess what God's coming through Egypt. He's going to every house. There's no distinction. If there's a Hebrew living there and they didn't obey the Lord, they didn't apply the blood over their doorframe, guess what? The firstborn in their household would be slain. And so in the morning, when everyone woke up, you had one of two things in your household. You had a dead male or you had a dead lamb. One of the two. Some people think, well, you know, well, God wasn't going to strike down the firstborn of the Israelites, the Hebrews. No, He, he would have. He had to. Because He's pouring out judgment upon sinners. The Israelites are sinners too. They needed to be protected and saved from not Pharaoh. His threat's gone. Who'd they have to be saved from? God. They had to be saved from the Lord himself. Chapter 12, verse 14 through 20. God tells Moses that this is going to be an annual feast This Passover celebration is going to be followed by this seven days of feasting called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's going to last seven days. Let's look at verse 21. And then Moses teaches the Israelites. So he's getting this information from the Lord. Now he's going to teach the Israelites. Look at verse 21. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourself according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. "'Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood "'that is in the basin and touch the lintel "'and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. "'None of you shall go out of the door of his house "'until the morning, for the Lord will pass through "'to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood "'on the lintel and on the two doorposts, "'the Lord will pass over the door "'and will not allow the destroyer "'to enter your houses to strike you. "'You shall observe this right as a statute "'for you and for your sons forever. "'And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you "'as he has promised, you shall keep this service.' And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the house of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and what? Worshiped. Then the people of Israel went and did so as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. God, through Moses, gives them instruction, and they obeyed. They did what God said they should do. Look real quickly. Turn to Romans. Flip to the right. Go to the New Testament. Romans chapter 1. How is this salvation appropriated? How did they receive it? It, It's by faith, trusting and obeying the Lord. Look at Romans chapter 1. This is the greeting of the Lord letter to the church in Rome. Paul, he says he's a servant of Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel. Verse 2, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures concerning his son, that's Jesus, right? Who was a descendant from David according to the flesh and was declared to be son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. I want you to, if you, have your, if you write in your Bible, underline or circle obedience of faith there. Grace was given. How is it appropriated? Through this obedience of faith, even for the nations. God's coming through Egypt that night and those that trust his word and do what he says will be saved from God, from his wrath. So how were they saved? They were saved because of their faith. They trusted God's word and they did what he said. James chapter 2, verse 17. Faith without works is what? Dead, you yeah. know. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 28. By faith he, he being Moses, kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer, who is God, of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith he did that. Blood on the door frames, that's the sign that they, the family trusted the Lord. They obeyed the Lord, they took the hyssop, painted the blood on the door frames. Hey, do you you trust the Lord? Can you say, I'm a God follower, I trust God? For those of us who say we trust the Lord, there's a characteristic that we all have. We try to obey the Lord. We try to obey the Lord. We're saved as we trust God, His provision for us. Here in in this account, they're trusting God to do what He says He'll do. I'm, I'm taking the lamb, we're sacrificing the lamb, we're taking the blood. So this is a sacrifice. It turned into a meal as well. They trusted God. We... Right? After the resurrection and ascension of Christ, what do we trust in? We trust in God's provision that Christ, who was the Passover, the ultimate Passover lamb, has made propitiation for our sin. He has atoned for our sin, He's dealt with our sin, and it's through Christ and His work on the cross and His resurrection that we too can be saved from the wrath of God that is indeed coming. How do we apply this? I think that's easy, right? Firstly, I, I, judgment's not an Old Testament phenomenon only. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Hebrews is in the New Covenant, the New Testament. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes what? Judgment. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ... So that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So judgment is coming. It's not just an Old Testament thing. It's it's coming. It's for those who don't believe, who are at enmity with God, like Pharaoh, right? Doing this at God. If you're doing that, you'll face the judgment. I think that's one application. Remember that judgment is is coming. The second thing, by way of application, is we have to remember that every person in Egypt, whether they're an Egyptian or a Hebrew, they deserve the wrath of God because they are sinful and rebellious. And we could look at text. We're going to run out of time. We could look at text. We see the Israelites were, were rebellious against the Lord. And God visited every house in Egypt with the purpose of killing the firstborn son, whether it be Egyptian or Hebrew. You say, well, why is that? Well, the wages of sin is death. The payment for our rebellion against the Lord is is death. And the destroyer in this passage is the Lord himself. So God was coming to judge the sinners. But isn't it amazing how the Israelites had, had immunity since the fourth plague where all the Egyptians are suffering all this misery because... Of God, but yet they were, they had immunity. But yet here, God passes by their house, every house. But isn't it amazing that God was merciful and gracious to the Israelites? He instructed His instruction to them to choose that unblemished lamb and to slaughter it and put that blood. All these instructions that we just read—that's grace. Those Israelites didn't deserve that, but it's grace, it's mercy. If they obeyed, they offered up this sacrifice, this sacrifice would be accepted. This blood of that sacrifice applied to their house resulted in God passing over. Think about to be set free from Pharaoh, it took a lamb, right? But for us who are in bondage to sin, see the parallel there? The Israelites were in bondage to Egypt for 400 years. They're in slavery. They couldn't get out. We're in bondage to sin. On our own, we can't get out. To be rescued from Pharaoh, it took a lamb. To be rescued from our sin and the wages of our sin, it's going to take Christ, the Passover lamb. But in order for that blood to be applied, we have to trust what Christ did on the cross. And that alone is what makes us right with God. How can we make make right with God? How can we escape his wrath? It's Christ, trusting what Christ did for us on the cross. He bore the judgment that I deserve, and he was resurrected so I could be made right with God. We sang this song right before I preached show us Christ. It's a beautiful song. And that should be a prayer for us always. We want to see Christ and this text is pointing to Christ. The passover lamb was a foreshadowing of Christ whom Paul calls the Passover lamb for Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed once for all they had to they set up this feast where every year the first month 10th day then the 14th day they slaughter it year after year after year after year Jesus celebrating the Passover no more Jesus the Passover lamb who bore our sin and shame, His blood can cover us so the Father's wrath can pass over us. Are you covered by the blood of the Passover lamb? That's the question. Have you been redeemed? Have you been saved? Have you been born again? Are you pursuing God because of your trust in Christ? If you've got a question about that, if you're not sure, I'd love to talk to you about that. If you're at enmity with God and you're living your life completely for you, doing what you want to do, not trusting Christ's work for you, judgment's coming. And all your sin, all your wayward thoughts, all your deeds, you'll pay for. God will pour out his wrath upon you for all eternity. Justice will be served. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge you are good in every way, and we're not. We don't pretend to be good, and we know that every. Every sin, every errant thought, every tainted motive, and every deed not done will all pay for. You are just and you will make everything right, and you'll pour out your wrath upon all sinners. Father, if there's a a hard-hearted sinner here that's living life for themselves and in rebellion against you, I pray that you would break their heart. They would see their sin for what it is so they could marvel at Christ and his work. Father, save lost sinners today. We, the church, we're so thankful for Jesus and what he's done for us. We recognize that we deserve your worst. We deserve the wrath. But Father, we're so thankful for Jesus, him bearing that for us, paying our sin debt. We're so thankful that he died and was raised from the dead on the third day for our justification. Father, we give you thanks for that. Father, may you embolden us as we leave to go out and share that message. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Father, may we be faithful this week to pray for lost people, to share truth with lost people, to compel and plead with lost people, to repent and trust Christ. Father, we pray for our team as they travel back from idaho they're in route back home we ask for travel mercies give them grace may they have sweet time together these last few hours but lord we ask you to bring them safely home to us thank you for their service their willingness to give up time money energy to go and serve people in rigby idaho father as we leave use your church in jesus
0: name amen Thank you for tuning in to our Sunday morning services at Beaver Baptist Church. We are currently studying the book of Exodus. If you have any questions about today's message, or would like more information about our church, call us at 901-837-2904. You can also visit our website at beaverbaptist.com.